Good morning and welcome to James chapter 4 and uh, we're going to read a few verses. I think these verses have already been read to you but let me just uh, highlight some of the things in this first part of James chapter 4. What in fact uh, James is moving on to here is he's really looking into our hearts and he's asking us to consider what's going on deep within. And uh, he says, look, uh, you desire but don't have, and so you kill, you covet, because you cannot go where you want, you quarrel and fight. And basically, James is just uh, challenging us. Where is your request going? What is it that you actually want? Because if you're vague and if you're just full of uh, doubts and questions, then how can you expect to benefit? He says, when you ask God, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You're basically being selfish and looking just out for your own interests. And so uh, James, as in other parts of the letter, is very hard hitting. He doesn't beat about the bush. He doesn't uh, uh, just kind of just say nice things. He, he says it as he sees it. He really wants people to appreciate the truth of what God is saying. And uh, so he will uh, deliver truth in a very, very powerful and clear way. And one of the key things that having just addressed this matter of uh, people being all over the place and uh, asking for this and asking for that, not really being very focused and clear, or if there's any clarity, it's just pure selfishness. Well, James is saying, here's the nub of the matter. Here's what it's really all about. If you choose to be a friend of the world, you will be an enemy of God. Well, that again is very strong and people say, well, can I have a little bit of the world? Uh, is it not okay just to have a, a few sort of worldly attitudes? As long as I'm primarily focused on God and Jesus, does it really matter if I have a little dabble in a few other things? But actually the scripture, not just James, the scripture in its entirety warns us that you just can't do that. Because if you try to get have, have something of the world, get involved in worldly attitudes, uh, worldly desires, worldly things, if that gets into your life, what you'll find is a great fight goes on. And the fight is essentially you seeking to please God and do what is honouring to him. But there's this other voice and this other battle going on saying, hey, but this, this is attractive, this is good, this is, this is wonderful, why, why not get involved in this? And that's where, again, we could get into deep water and lots of problems. I mean, to be called an enemy of God is a very strong thing. I guess lots of us might uh, consider the word of God and say, uh, well, I'm not an enemy to anyone, am I? But actually, we become an enemy of God when we adopt strategies, ways of thinking, ways of behaviour that are opposed to his character and to his ways. We are fighting against him. He's calling us to righteousness and to holiness and we're wandering down this other road and still 
wanting him to be included. James is saying it just doesn't work. You actually end up in opposition to God. And the only way that you can get into a good place, a peaceful place, a place of victory, is to actually live according to the way that the Lord is directing in his word. And so he goes on to say this, God opposes the proud, but shows favour or grace to the humble. Here's what the issue is really all about. This attitude of uh, confusion and looking here, there and everywhere rather than being focused upon God. This whole attitude of trying to be a friend of the world and have worldly attitudes and mix them in with Christian godly attitudes and all of the uh, difficulties that that brings an enemy of God. What's it really all about? Well, James is now really getting to the absolute heart of the matter. He says, God opposes the proud, but gives favour to the humble. This is really such a significant and such an important thing. What was it that uh, caused uh, Adam and Eve to sin in the garden? It was pride. It was the sense of, come on, you know, God knows a lot, but... Uh, we're not ignorant, we have a few ideas. Surely, you know, we, we, can, we can do things. We don't need to refer to God all the time. We're wonderful creations of his. But that pride actually brings us into judgment. And we know the, the enemy, Satan himself, the Bible describes that moment in heaven when he, as it were, puffed out his chest and wanted to take over from the living God. He, he was just an angel, but he thought, no, I'm not having this. I don't need to go along with this. I can be God. I don't need to submit to this almighty God. I can be God. And that pride, that pride was so destructive. And what happened to him? Well, he was thrown out of heaven. And we know ultimately be, will be thrown into the lake of destruction, the lake of fire, the lake of hell. God opposes the proud. You see, pride is basically saying, I can do as well or if not better than God. Pride is saying, I don't need any instruction. I don't need any guidance. I don't need any help. I can manage quite okay by myself, thank you. And this pride, ultimately, well, we use the proverb, pride comes before a fall, but it certainly comes before a massive fall in terms of our relationship with God. We need to recognise that we are in great need of submission to God. And it's really strange, isn't it, how we resist that as if God's a hard taskmaster, as if God is out to make us miserable and make our life downright difficult in as many fiendish ways as he can possibly string together. And that's just not the truth. God wants us to be humble and to submit to him, not because he's looking for us to be, as it were, subservient and to grovel and to just live in fear as to whether or not 
he might throw another thunderbolt our way. Not at all. God causes us to be humble and to accept his lordship and his being God in our lives because it's for our best. We are much happier living in line with God and his plans and his will. But when we try to go off and live our own way, well, we're in lots of trouble. And here's what the scripture says. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What James is saying and uh, Paul when he's writing to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 6 talking about the armour of God. What essentially uh, the Bible writers tell us is simply this, that the enemy is utterly destructive. He's the one who wants to lure us into sin. He's the one who has an agenda to steal, to kill and to destroy. He's the one who has no interest in us whatsoever. He's certainly the one who would like just to wipe us out and make us thoroughly miserable. But we need to resist him. And we need to resist his agenda and his working in our lives. We need to say, no, I'm not having that. I will submit myself to God. To submit ourselves to God simply means that we're saying, Lord, I, I want to live your way. I want to think the way you want me to think. I want to respond the way you want me to respond. I want to encourage others to live as you want them to live. I want to be like you, Lord. I just really want to honour you. The Bible says that when we're in Christ, we can say no to the devil. Now, we don't have to get unduly preoccupied with him. And of course, we have to be careful not to, as it were, blame him for everything. That's not unduly helpful either. We need to recognise that sometimes there are things in us that are wrong and we need to ask God to forgive us and to cleanse our hearts. But what is essentially being taught here is that the devil is defeated by the blood of Jesus, by the word of God. And we can say to the devil, I don't want your agenda. I don't want your schemes and plans. I want what the living God wants for my life. And you can get on your bike, so to speak. Not, not being trivial, but you're saying, I just don't want to listen to what you're saying. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. What James is instructing us in this, and, and again, this isn't uh, as miserable as it sounds. What, what he's saying is, in order to get the blessing of God, we've got to be truly repentant. It's no good being half-hearted. It's no good uh, just uh, uh, offering token gestures to God concerning our desire to be right with him and to walk in the centre of his will. It's got to be much stronger than that. It's got to be a real determination and a real realisation of the realities of what it means to go against him. 
This weeping and mourning is a sense of, oh God, have mercy. You love me. You have good plans for me. You, you want me to be in a good place with you. You, you want to bless me. You want to strengthen me. You want to use me. You've got fantastic agendas in your plans and kingdom for me. I, I want to be part of that. And I'm so sorry that I mess it up. I'm so sorry that my pride and my arrogance, thinking I know better than you, Lord, have mercy. I'm reminded of the, the prodigal. Remember when he, uh, again, really in pride, Father, I don't really need your wisdom and your guidance and your counsel. I quite like your money, but I don't actually need uh, your uh, interference in my life. I can manage. Just give me what would be due when you die and I'll get out of your way and I'll get on with life. And we know how at first he thinks things are going well, but they're actually going very, very downward. And he gets into a real pit of despair. He's hungry, he's friendless, and uh, well, basically he's in a right old mess. And he says, I'm gonna go back to my father and I'm gonna say, Father, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you. Have mercy, have mercy upon me. Please forgive me. And just, just have me back. Uh, I, I am not expecting any special treatment. In fact, I know that to be a servant in your house is just far better than this disobedient life that I've been entering into. He certainly tried to be a friend with the world. And as he humbles himself and makes his way back, broken and yet looking to his father for mercy, he's really, really blessed to find that in the father there is mercy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That is the heart of God. When we come to God and acknowledge that uh, he is God, acknowledge our weaknesses and our failures and are truly sincere in desiring to change and want to be like him. When that's in our hearts, God will lift us up. God is not interested in rubbing our noses in it, so to speak. Now that again is a trait of the devil. He loves to make you miserable and then even more miserable. That's not how Jesus works. No, God will lift you up. He will bring you to a different place and uh, lifted up, you're able to see things again from a different perspective. One of the things that the Bible reminds us of is that we sit in heavenly places. And uh, we can think about what quite that means, but I think there's sometimes quite simple ways of looking at it. It means that we're able to see things from a different perspective. And when God lifts us up, we suddenly see a wider, a fuller, a greater picture. When we're on the ground, so to speak, uh, we're not really uh, fully aware of what's going on. And uh, we're just blinded. But when God lifts us up, we find ourselves in an entirely different place. He lifts us up 
so that we can see things as he sees them. We can handle life as he wants us to handle life. Not with our head on the ground, but lifted high, not in pride, but looking up to our Saviour. Jesus said that he would be lifted up on the cross and we're so grateful that today we can lift our eyes to Jesus, humbled by his grace, humbled by his mercy, aware of the shortcomings and pride that causes us to stumble so much. But God's lifting us up today. He's lifting you up as you listen and watch this message. God wants to lift you up in order that you can see his greatness and his love. God bless you.
I long to follow Jesus For he has said that he will bring me home And day by day I know he will renew me Until I stand with joy before the throne To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus All the glory evermore to him When the race is complete Through Christ in me.